Hi, welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired, and find help through accessible coaching, free resources, and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration, and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people, from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers, and more. In today's episode, I talk to Naomi Anderson O'Brien, an illustrator and maker from the UK. Naomi grew up wanting to be an actor, but ended up falling in love with illustration while studying at Camberwell in London. We chatted about her work, which is so unique, colourful and kitsch. We explored her feelings navigating illustration, collage and ceramics and being inspired by pop culture. We also talked about some of the struggles that come with being in the creative industry and what her dream projects are for the coming month. Naomi just installed a newest work at the Dog and Bone Gallery in Brighton. It looks very yummy and I hope you'll go see it next time you visit. Enjoy! How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah. yeah, how are you? Really excited to be talking to you. And before we talk about your work, which I love, I want to chat a little bit about your childhood, how you were as a kid. So you grew up in Southeast London and I wanted to know what kind of child you were because I think I read that you loved mm. performing. Yes, that is true. From a very young age, from about, I think, five or six, me and my best friend, we've been best friends since birth. Our, fr our parents were friends. But we never went to the same school. We, I lived in South East London and she lived on the other side of the river. So as a way to maintain our friendship, we'd go dance and drama classes on like a Saturday every weekend. Um, and it was really, really nice because we're now like best friends and we've been best friends our whole life. And that was where we kind of would go. So it was more of a hobby at first. I was always a kind of a creative child. So I was always making stuff like every cardboard box I would, you know, I'd squirrel all the cardboard boxes away and my mum would try and throw them in the bin and I'd be like no but I need that that's for my you know whatever I was making but the performance thing was something I I think I was quite shy when I was younger so I think my parents thought it would be quite useful for me to to do that and at first you know it was just a hobby and then I really really got into it and when I was 16 I went to a performing arts school and I did musical theatre and Yeah, I thought I wanted to be an actor for a bit and I went to drama school when I was 18. That didn't last very long. I That's failed so cool, basically though. that first year. Yeah, I, when I read about yeah, this, no, I thought it was amazing. And um, I read why you quit, but let's talk a little bit about it because I'm fascinated. You were so young. I feel like a lot of people now get into acting even later. Like, why didn't you think, I don't know, I feel like you could have gone on if you wanted. Yeah, I think I went, yeah, like you say, a lot of people come to it when they're a bit older. And I remember when I was applying for drama school, a lot of them say, oh, you know, you likely won't get in when you're 18, you know, but it's good to just test test it out and see how it goes. And so you can do the whole audition kind of process because it can be quite, quite stressful. And so I thought, oh, okay, I'm just going to give it a go. And if I don't get in, that's fine. I'm going to do something else for a year and figure out what I want to do. And then I ended up getting in. And so it was a bit like, ah, and I got into quite a good drama school. And I thought, you know what, I have to go. Kind of went, but it was very shy and unsure and I didn't really I felt very insecure whilst I was there and I think you really have to have a, a sense of confidence when you go to drama school you have to kind of be sure because they kind of it's about unpicking layers of you 
um, in order for you to be quite a blank canvas to take on all these other roles and characters. And I think I just wasn't ready for that. I wasn't fully formed as a person yet. I didn't know what I wanted or what I wanted to do. And I kind of just gravitated towards performing arts without really thinking about it. And then I just kind of was on this kind of treadmill going towards this goal that I then I stood back and I kind of realized actually I don't know if this is where my creative energy lies best I just kind of was doing it because I really liked the idea of going to drama school being an actor and I still really love lots of aspects of performing arts and I think a lot of that I can do in my illustration work without having to be on on stage which I find quite terrifying yeah I found something about the acting bit very difficult because I'm not a very good liar so I always found acting I just I felt a bit silly like I felt like you're kind of lying all the time like not lying but it feels a bit like that and I just I couldn't get the sincerity very well I found it really difficult um but I really loved the characters and that side of things a lot and narrative and creating stories and worlds and I think all of those things that I really love about acting are things that I can do as an illustrator and are actually it, it was so weird because I'd eventually go to do a foundation when I was about 23 I went to Campbell and I did my art foundation I remember sitting there and hearing about illustration thinking oh my oh my this is exactly what I've been wanting to do so and it was just I just didn't know that this is what illustration could be and so it was really like very eye-opening for me because I just sat there thinking oh I've been illustrated this whole time and I just didn't know it. I was just kind of in, in on a different path for a little while that's amazing. And I think also what you said that's really interesting is that I feel like being an actor, you need to be quite vulnerable, but also not, you know, you need to be able to like separate yourself from what you're doing, you know, like you have to get into your characters. And mm. I feel like what's nice in what we're doing illustration is that you can be yourself, but also you don't have to be on a stage. And I know what you mean, because I've always been yes. like fascinated with acting. And I, when I was really young, I really wanted, I was always super intrigued by it, but I was never shy, but I always felt like I couldn't do it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, mm. I wish. But <laughs> I think at the end of the day, like you said, it's a bit terrifying. And what we do, it's nice because we can create in our own terms and then release the work into the world. And it's not us. It's not as linked to us in a weird way. If that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So uh, you went to Camberwell and I wanted to know, because mm -hmm. everything went really fast. So you finished studying and then you got commissioned by Nike straight away. And I wanted to know how that felt to just have work straight away out of uni and be uh, plunged into the art world that way. Yeah, it was, it was kind of wild, actually. I... I wasn't expecting it and when the email came in I kind of thought it was a bit of a prank or a joke I was a bit like nah this isn't real you know how could this happen I've just finished university I was planning to have like a little few weeks off and I was going to Edinburgh to, to the Fringe Festival and so I felt like a massive fraudster the whole time I was doing that project I felt really like what am I doing I didn't know lots of different things I remember um, them sending over a deck and they kept referring to it as a deck which is like a presentation which kind of tells you a bit about the project and like inspiration boards and, and the brief. And I remember being like, I have never heard that word before. Nobody's taught me what a deck is. I felt really like to like look it up because they kept using different lingo words. And I remember being like, oh no, they're going to figure it out. I have no clue what I'm doing. And this was, yeah, I was very, lost a lot of confidence doing that project just because I, I felt so unsure and I felt so vulnerable and, and new. And I felt, I felt like for a long time after that, I just didn't feel very confident because I felt very plunged into that very quickly and I felt unprepared and it's a lot of contracts and 
yeah negotiating and all that stuff which I find really difficult Yeah, it's and so interesting. yeah so it was it was hard Yeah, I was going to say, sorry I interrupted you, but I was going to say about that, it's so that's interesting okay out in art school, they teach you all about, especially if you study illustration, like your style and the, the craft and everything, but they rarely talk about the nitty gritty things, the things that you're actually going to need, like you say, like dealing with clients and And the terminology and the contracts and all the bits that are actually super important when you're starting out. So, yeah, it must have felt really overwhelming. Mm. Yeah, it was. And and we did do a bit about, you know, you do learn a little bit about contracts and stuff, but it's always much scarier when you're presented with like a, a 40 page contract and you think, oh my, oh, I have to read this from start to finish because they tell you these horror stories of people having like signed their whole style away and stuff like that. And I was just like, you just feel so, ah, am I going to do something really stupid and sign something that I don't understand. So yeah, it's really scary at first, but you get used to it. I think over time, once you've read a few contracts, you kind of get used to that kind of terminology. So I really wanted to know how now, so it's been a few years now since that first commission and you've had many more commissions since. How do you navigate wearing all these hats of, you know, you make ceramics and you make collages and illustrations, you make a lot of different things. And do you find it hard sometimes to position yourself almost in front of clients? Yeah, it can be quite difficult. I think often when clients will come for my work, it's for the collage work. I don't often get commissioned for the ceramic work. So it is kind of, it is a bit separate, I guess. When they come to me, it will be, oh, we would like a collage or we'd like what a piece in, in your style rather than with the ceramics, I feel was, was something that it coincides with my work, but it is also quite different in a way. It's quite a different way of working. And I would like the two to integrate somehow, but it's not always for the turnaround of a lot of like, illustration briefs. Ceramics just wouldn't work. You just don't have the time. It takes you, you know, weeks to create ceramics. I guess I don't often get commission for that in the same way then it definitely informs your work right like I feel like it looks very linked yeah it is for sure the two go hand in hand and when I'm working on you know a lot of my ceramics are characters and they may even appear in my collage 2d kind of work and um, so there's definitely a link and they definitely there's a conversation between between the work but it it's easy to navigate because yeah they're very separate Like, I feel like I don't get the clients coming for a ceramic piece um, in the same way. I tend to make one-off pieces, actually, with my ceramics. I kind of like that side of it. I like to just make one piece that has, it's like an idea, it's a story that I come up with and I make the piece. Yeah, they look amazing. I love them. They're so quirky and, and a bit weird in the best way. How would you describe your work, so both collages and ceramics and your whole, like, universe, mm -hmm. to someone who's not seen it? And I want to talk a little bit about kitsch. as well mm. how I like to describe it is I, I love kitsch as you've said so kitsch is kind of at the heart of a lot of my work and this sense of nostalgia and so I like the work to feel I say vaguely familiar but still not really like anything else so it kind of teeters on this edge of going oh yeah that reminds me of something but I'm not sure what it reminds me of it's bright colorful it's usually fun and happy it's usually It's not an alter ego, but it's, a, it's often a character that puts on a hat that I'd, I'd like like to wear. They're quite confident. Um, often the characters, and they've got really... It's about the facial expressions for me. I love creating narrative without saying too many words. Like, how much can you say with a, with a character's face or just their eyebrows or, you know, how their mouth is slanted in a certain way? 
so yeah that's how I'd kind of describe my my work can we talk a little bit about your process because it's interesting you mentioned it earlier when clients commission you for collages so let's talk a little bit more about mm. collages it is also a lengthy process I, I saw a few videos of you making them and it's not you know it's not as fast I'd say as doing digital illustration it's a process that takes a little bit more time what do you love most about it so what I like most is it it really hearts back to me being a kid and sat on the floor cutting up paper that's what I loved to do you just could give me a pile of paper and I'll just sit and cut it up and make stuff that's what I love doing and so for me that the, the material itself has that feeling of nostalgia which kind of links back to this idea of what I love about that sensation of trying to create that feeling of nostalgia or familiarity and for me just the process itself holds that feeling you know, for a long time, I even did a lot of my collages sat on the floor still. So I finally got a nice desk, which was big enough for me to like spread out on. I love that part of it. I love painting the papers and seeing it all come together when you start cutting all the pieces out, and, you know, really laying them down. That's the bit I really love is when I get to just sit and make my image. I do quite like the, the time when I'm still sketching and I'm trying ideas out and I'm drawing the same thing over and over again until I get it right. So I do a lot of that. I do quite like that. And then when it does click and you go, yeah, this is the one. This is the, the sketch I've done. I feel like, yeah, this kind of works. Because I'm always trying to, I quite like getting a sense of it being dynamic. So when you get that right and you get that feeling in the work where it feels, oh yeah, that image really works, then I love that moment as well. But a lot of my work starts as these very tiny uh, thumbnail sketches that I do just in with an with a ink pen. And then that's I start go from there. And then I'll take it to my iPad to test out colours. And then when I'm happy with, with it, I then get the colours ready. I paint most of my colours um, so I get exactly what I want. And then, yeah, I start cutting out. Yeah, I think cutting out will always be the, my favourite part. It's a bit fiddly and I use scissors. I don't use them. Um, scalpel a lot of collage artists use a scalpel but I find because I paint the paper if I use a scalpel it can leave kind of a white edge to the paper and so I tend to use scissors because it's a bit softer. Have you found mm. that clients it are quite understanding fun. of the process in terms of I mean so you do little sketches so you will show them that and then like you said you do colors mm -hmm. on the iPad but have you had horror stories where you've done the collage and then they decide to put a dog in there to you know like have you had bad experiences with clients that don't understand the process really well I haven't luckily I make very clear at the beginning kind of you know I'm going to provide you with a sketch and I'm not going to collage it until we're happy with the sketch and then once it's collage you know it's pretty much that is how it will have to be um, unless it's something very minor that I can change like a color or yeah if it's adding something very small I can possibly do that but yeah no I've not had any horror stories Thankfully, I think I try and make it very, very clear at the beginning how how I make the work so that everybody knows that it's real paper that I have to cut out and so I won't cut anything out until the idea has been okayed and they're happy with it. So yeah, no horror stories, luckily. Now I've said that, it'll probably happen. That always is the way. Hopefully not. Like you said, I think if you're very clear from the beginning... Um, and they know that's what you do and that's probably why they're coming to you as well because it's it's pretty amazing they won't be annoying you should be fine you'll be fine yeah now usually people when they come to me they know that it's paper so they know that it's going to be cut out of paper so they're usually aware of, of that they don't have it where they think it's digital or something normally people know it's it's paper so I think it's uh I don't know if it's clear I mean I know it's paper and I think when you look at it you can kind of see it's I think you can see it's paper I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? Because um, now there's so many ways to do anything digitally. But I think you show your process quite a mm. bit, so it's fine. But, you know, it's so yeah. easy on Photoshop to 
make it look like it's paper yeah I think you can usually tell if something is digitally collaged I don't know what it is but there is something you can usually there's just a slight flatness there even if you get the drop shadow right I could still usually tell if it's a a digital collage usually there's just something about it so you get a lot of inspirations for movies and tv shows um and I really wanted Mm. to chat about this as well and it's funny how it links up to you wanting to be an actor when you were younger tell me a little bit about that what what were you really into when you were a kid and what's inspiring you still to this day to create pieces? Yeah, I think as a kid, I, I, I liked a lot of comedy, watched a lot of kind of uh, sitcoms and sketch shows and things like that, that maybe I didn't fully understand the jokes at the time. <laughs> watched a lot of that, my favourite show. I used to love Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. I don't know if you know it, but yeah, one of my favourite shows and things like Men Behaving Badly, never mind the Buzzcocks, but like the original kind of that kind of panel show. I liked that kind of stuff. So I was always into comedy and always into like, quite bold characters and and humor just people that you know people, just that sense of like watching a show and the laugh I mean I know a lot of it is like a pre-recorded laugh but there is that sense when when you're a kid and you're watching you don't always know why it's funny but you hear the cue and you you know to laugh so and, and laughing always makes you instantly feel happier so those are the kind of shows that I, I grew up on and like watching and it's kind of the same now. I like bold characters. I like characters that kind of, you can see them as an illustration almost. They're full as characters. Characters that um, jump off the screen and you think, oh, I could draw them. I can see them really clearly. I can see how they could be turned into my my style. And so <laughs> I watch a lot of different things, I guess. Whatever I'm watching, I, I try to kind of create a collage of my favourite character. I just love seeing how I can take something that quite familiar and something that again it links back to the idea of nostalgia and familiarity it's taking something that is familiar to lots of people and people hold them really dear but like how can I put it into my style how can I make it how far can I push it but have it still be recognizable so I do that quite a lot so I like picking a character and seeing if I can put it into my style I've done it a lot done it with like uh, Stranger Things, Queen's Gambit Lots of different ones. Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, Shit's Creek. I like taking those kind of characters that I love from those kind of shows that people also love, you know, that I chat to with my friends and seeing how if I can make something that encapsulates that, that character or or how recognisable can they be even though they're, they don't really, my illustrations don't really look completely human or like the person they are, but how can you take their identifying feature and put that into your collage so that people recognize it I love playing with that and going how can I make that out of paper yeah that's the best the illustrations that I love the most are the ones that don't necessarily look really realistic but capture exactly what mm. makes it you know what makes a character funny or interesting so mm. I think it's such a fun thing to reference like I was I was thinking that how much choice you have nowadays the amount Mm. of sitcoms and series and amazing characters we get now is tenfold what we had when we were growing up so it's nice you've got loads of inspiration yeah yeah it's great and I love to go back and and do films that I like when I was younger as well so kind of older characters like I think I did one of the Adams Family and I did one from like Ghost World and taking those characters that you know kind of cult classics favorites and seeing how I can bring them into my world a bit I do love that I haven't done one in a while. Maybe it's about time, actually. But it's true. Like you say, there's so... we Like, I, I consume so much television these days. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to do, what to pick, what to highlight. Do you watch things when you're working? 
I do, yes. But I have to usually watch things that don't that I don't have to look at as much. So at the moment, I've just been working my way through kind of detective dramas. <laughs> That's what I like. I like a whodunit kind of murder mystery type of thing. So, yeah. That's what I'm on at the moment. Because <laughs> there's, there's so many episodes of those kind of shows. Like, they're usually a few, and they're quite long. So it's something really long. I can sit down and have something that I know I don't have to, like, engage with scrolling because I know there's like six episodes or something and they're all like an hour or so long and I can just have the aunt do my work and pay half attention to it because you kind of can pick up on the key things that and you know with a kind of a whodunit and you're looking for the murderer that you know you're not going to find out to the last episode anyway and just with, with how quickly you can guess before it tells you quite like that because then by the end you're like oh yeah I knew it was them I knew it was them <laughs> So. Yeah, I always think, you know, in films how so what I really like about films is everything has everything happened, everything we've being shown is there for a reason. So it's all clues basically to the story, which we don't have in real life, because we'll see loads of stuff that never will matter. But um no. yeah, and I always think about it when I'm watching stuff, I'm like, why did they show like the boot of the guy? Well, you know, like random stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, there's something there. I love but, that as yeah, well. It's really cool. I I'm love the film. same. They, yeah, when they linger on somebody having like dropped something, you're like, that's going to come back at some point. I love that that idea with film. And yeah. it can really be obvious like that because cause it has to be. It almost, it has, it's only going to show you something if it's important to the plot. It doesn't. Un, it's not unnecessary, which is what I really love. But it can be predictable, but I quite like that sometimes. Sometimes you need that. You need that little bit of like feeling like you figured it out, but really it's that they, you've made it figurable out if that makes sense yeah so no it does it for you yeah it makes you feel really like well, it's like rom-coms isn't it some rom-coms like it's that. like you know they're gonna end up together yeah but you kind of like it it's fine it's you're happy oh, yeah. for it to ha- you know you you're gonna see how it unfolds but this is making me think that it'd be so cool and I, i'm sure something that they sometimes do if they put stuff in the film that actually doesn't you know show us something that makes no sense but usually if that happens no purpose yeah but when that happens we're like what was that about you know because we're not used to it we're used to being told things for the story so it's really interesting and usually we find it really annoying if they do do that like if they have like a complete tangent where they go off over there and then you get to the end you're like so what's all that about because you're trying to figure it out that's just how we work and so when they don't do it it kind of is unsatisfying so I think that's why they don't do it because you don't want to you want to leave a film feeling Ah, that was it did did what it needed to do but yeah it would be interesting to have a film with mixed in random tangents where you're just like which bits are important and which bits aren't aren't important red herrings i guess yeah that's really interesting but you're making me want to draw more stuff in films i don't know i've always been fascinated with film and everything that goes around it and I, i think it's like you said it's about telling stories and for me filmmaking is the ultimate like creative thing like we're doing illustration and for me it's like on the pathway to Mm. filmmaking almost you know and like we do things in 2d or 3d because you do ceramics as well but being able to tell stories with Mm. other humans playing characters and set design and music and like so many things I I don't know I think Mm. I'm so fascinated by it maybe one day you know yeah I I think it's I had this idea last year, but I've not still not done it, where I wanted to, like, actually do a photo shoot of my characters, but, like, as humans, to try and negotiate that and see how that would work. But I haven't got around to doing it yet. Because I do love that idea of how can, how can I then take them into real people? I would exaggerate them probably a little bit somehow, whether I did it on the computer or whether I did it with makeup or something. 
but I've always wanted to, to see that because I did that's what I originally wanted to do I did illustration thinking oh eventually I'd get into film because I like characters and narrative yeah and, yeah you could animate them as well, well you see. could do stop motion or something mm. that could be cool yeah there's lots of ideas it's time isn't it it's always time mm, within it being an illustrator it's like yeah. ideas and it's like never enough time <laughs> I know I know how you feel okay so I noticed that I don't know how recently you've started doing this, but you've started adding speech bubbles to some of your illustrations and having your characters say little things. And I really love that. And I think, again, we're coming back to telling stories. If it's just a collage, you let people decide for themselves what it means or, you know, maybe they're making Mm. up stories in their heads about what the character could be saying. But I love that you're adding that. And I wanted to know, yeah, why you've started doing this again. Yeah, so this was a couple of years ago. I did the It's Nice That weekly comic in January 2021 I think and I'd never done a comic before actually never done like a set of sequential images and I'd gotten so used to condensing my stories into one image kind of like telling a whole kind of story or narrative or idea in one image that to actually slow that down and drag out over nine images I was like oh I've not done this how do I do this like I hadn't done it for a while and I found that actually adding speech bubbles helped slow the narrative down a little bit or help direct the narrative because I wasn't sure what to do I started off with quite a simple idea of just this character um talking to a pencil and so there's not much variation between the images because I didn't have long to work on each of the comics so I needed to be able to make something that I could do quite relatively quickly in the time I had. So I had this one character and she was talking to a pencil and the speech bubbles. And that was it. I kind of was like, oh, how I can use speech and text to kind of slow things down or to, again, link back to making the familiarity people being able to look at it and go, oh, I can connect with that. And I think words can do that just as well as like facial expressions or characterization or outfits and things like that. I think there's also a way of using words. So I don't use them all the time, but I do like to use them where they feel appropriate or they really add a little bit of something or it's just to kind of see what's going on inside that character's mind because often again it's back to the acting and performing it's like that little thing what's going on the subtext or what's happening that is not necessarily obvious in the image or that you can highlight to direct the audience to think of something or remind them of something that they may feel an emotion they may feel or an idea that they've thought about and it really connects people I think that's what's great about illustration is kind of making those connections and that's why I use a bit more text now and the actual like the speech bubbles that was why and have you been doing more comics as well I haven't that's the thing I, I would love to I, I just I haven't really gone back to that something I'd like to do more of that then gets into animation I think for me so I'd quite like to do that because I think kind of the the comics feel like an animation in a way and I can see them coming to life as an animation and every year I'm like I want to do more I want to do more and it's time again it's always time because it's quite a lengthy process I have quite a good friend of mine who does collage as well and we've collaborated on a few animations because she's very good at animating and we always talk about doing something again together and animating something so hopefully get something in the works because I think that's where I could see those kind of comic ideas being sequential and coming out into something else like developing into something else but yeah I definitely love to do more comics love to do more kind of books and things I feel like this every time you know you talk about it, you're like oh, why well, I want to do this I want to do this yeah you just got to prioritize and make that list and just work through it until you do all the things you want to do I mean it's endless I don't know if you'll ever do everything but this yeah. is great. Gives yeah. me inspiration for things I could do. Yeah, same. I'm like, oh, there's so much we can do. But yeah, like you said, it's 
prioritizing and also I think that's what's good with what we do and when we get commissioned by clients is that we end up trying things and getting to experience new ways of doing things so like it's nice that made you do comics and that was really fun and I guess maybe you'll have another commission where you do comics but in the meantime you can just do what feels right I guess but yeah there's always so much to do I feel the same. It's never ending. It is. So many ideas. (laughs) So it's really interesting because I think I read that you said that you don't feel like you have to restrict yourself to one medium as an illustrator. And Mm. so that's why you do. So, you you know, you do collages and you do ceramics. And I was wondering if there was a medium that you haven't tried yet that you really want to try. Yeah, I definitely think there is. I mean, I love textiles. And I've done a few that translated my collages into like wall hangings and like appliqueing the design. So I do love that. And I love, I just love texture. So yeah, something in, in the textile way I'd love to do. I've done prints before, like my work's been printed onto fabric, which was really cool. What was that Yeah, for? it was for, that was for New Works, yeah, which is an LA-based clothing mm, brand. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've seen it. That was fun. It's a really, it's another fun thing to seeing your work translated into different like mediums. It's always really fun. But yeah, film again, like we were talking about. I think mm. I'd love to see how I can do that, how that, how that would work. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I love the idea of like costume and like photography and how you can make that link. I don't know how easy it would be to, to make it recognisable, but there may be a way. I feel like something I'd have to work on figuring out. But yeah, definitely more textiles would be great. I love I love that idea. And I did, I made these wall hangings, like I said, they're like a plique. So it's similar idea to the collage where I'm layering the different bits of fabric on top of each other. And that was really fun. And I would love to do more of those and go even bigger. The one I did was like a meter by a meter. I just love to go bigger, I think. I'd like to do bigger ceramics as well. I love working with clay, but bigger would be fun. I was just wondering how you deal with the fact that collage is quite time consuming. Mm. Have you thought about the fact that there could be a point where you get, well, I guess you can say no to commissions, but Mm. would you ever do things a bit more digitally or would you like switch to another medium? Like I was just thinking you could do murals, but then you can't do collage murals Mm. or like how, you know, how would you be creative around that? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do a mural. I think collage work would work quite well as a mural I mean you wouldn't get the shadow but you could get blocks of color quite well in terms of time if somebody came to me and they had a really clear idea of what they wanted and it wasn't a collage and I thought I could could do it then yeah definitely all my collages start as digital drawings so and often some people see them and they go oh Naomi this could be the work why don't you just do this and I'm like yeah but I like seeing it in collage so there, there is space that maybe I could show more of my digital drawings that I do. I don't feel confident, I guess, because I'm known for the paper. I get nervous around that idea of like changing it up that much to something completely digital. Because I, I just love making with my hands and like making physical things. And there are people that are incredible at digital work. And, you know, they are really great at that. I don't know. I don't feel great at that, if that makes sense. It does make well, sense. No, I don't yeah. feel a bit of a, not a fraud, but like the people are so skilled with it. And I feel like I'm quite just draw quite basically when on my iPad is just an outline and I drop in the color so I can see the color. It's not very elevated in any way. It's just quick. It's, I do it because I, I can get my ideas down quickly. I, if I could find a way that felt right for me and it was digital, I, I would I'd do it. And if the brief called for it, it would be a discussion, of course. But I don't. I don't often get people come to me because they want want what they don't see. I always think that's. I remember a tutor telling me at at uni about that. 
you know, if you if it's in your folio, if it's on your website, then people will hire you to do it. If it's not there, then they won't. So if I don't, if I'm not putting the digital work up there, you often won't get commission to do digital work because people don't see it. They see the collage, and so they hire you to do the collage. So if I wanted to do more digital, I guess I could show more digital work, put it in my folio, and see if that was something I wanted to do. I guess. I think if we have time, which we sometimes lack, it's nice to do these little passion projects. Do you have other passion projects that yeah. you've done? I guess I'm working on one at the moment, actually. So I've got a little exhibition coming up in Brighton. Got to do whatever I kind of wanted for it. It's in these two telephone boxes that they've got. It's called the Dog and Bone Gallery. And it's kind of a very open brief. So I could kind of do whatever I wanted and propose an idea that I wanted. And I decided that last year I'd seen the Lebena Hamid exhibition at the Tate Modern. She'd made this kind of, I don't know if you'd call it like a cityscape, kind of like a city, but she'd used jelly moulds. So like these kind of Victorian ceramic jelly moulds and she'd done these paintings on them. And I saw the jelly moulds and I was like, oh, what great objects they are. I was like, I'd really love to do something with that. Um, and jelly is something that I quite like. I like those really like ornate kind of big jellies. It, it reminds me of kitsch. It's something very kitsch about it. And so I bought myself kind of a job lot from eBay of different sized jelly moulds. And I wanted to kind of press clay into them and create like these sculptures that looked like jelly moulds, but then I'd adorn them with like bows and cherries and make them really kitchen over the top. And so we had this idea last year and made some three kind of tests. And then this exhibition opportunity came up and I was do, could do whatever I wanted. And I thought I could do a collage. But you know, what? I'm going to try and do something ceramic because it's been a while and I really loved making those, those little tests I made out of the jelly moulds last year. And so this year of about, I started in about March, I think. I've been making them. They bring so much joy. <laughs> They're really bright and colourful. There's not a narrative as such. The narrative is kind of, the exhibition is called Cake Shop. It's really just about that joy of looking in a patisserie window and just seeing all these beautiful cakes. And um, I've been visiting my friend in in Paris a couple of times. And um, yeah, nothing better than looking in a Parisian patisserie window and seeing all these beautiful cakes. And so I've made all these kind of ceramic they're not naturally coloured, they're very like bold colours, pinks and blues and greens. And I've used gold luster as well. So that's been my passion project at the moment. Yeah, and it all is kind of coming together this week. So it's been very busy working on that. Picked up the ceramics on Tuesday. I've made like the backdrop. I've made uh, a font to go with it. Yeah, so that's been my little kind of project that I've been working on. It's just been really joyful. And I just love, I love how they've turned out. I think they're, they've turned out really better than I kind of imagined I didn't really know what to expect I was, when you're trying something new like that when you've not really done it before and I was trying lots of new glazes and things and it's always really risky and you think this could all go horribly wrong and I have absolutely nothing to show but it turned out really well and I'm really happy with them you know I'm, I don't often I say that I'm often very critical of my own work but these pieces they really bring a lot bring me a lot of joy they're really bright and colorful and happy objects so I'm excited for them to be seen Sounds amazing. Okay, back to illustration. What's a piece of advice you wish you'd been given when you started out? I used to be someone who would get incredibly nervous sending an idea off, and I still am, I'm not saying I'm not. And I would spend ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and ages drawing and redrawing and trying to figure out and try and make it look absolutely perfect straight away. And I realized recently that actually just send them something. Send them something as quickly as you can get the idea to them so that they could tell you quickly whether you're on the right track or not. Whereas before I'd be like, I need to send them something perfect. And then they'd give you all this feedback and you'd feel really, really sad because you'd put so much time into it. And they'd be like, no, no, we don't want this. And it's like, oh no, but now what do I do? And it's now it's just like, no, maybe put put something together, 
get it to them and they can give you, they will give you some feedback straight away, quicker. And then you can just go, okay, that's not what they want. They want this. And it's so much easier. I used to really agonize over that. But I think that comes with practice, like you say, practice and brief sometimes. Sometimes it's not, it's a lesson I wish someone had told me, but it's also something I think I needed to learn on my own. But I think I would have saved a lot of time and a lot of stress and a lot of tears if I had had that piece of advice. Or knew that it would get easier because yeah I remember some of the early projects and the early briefs of just sleepless nights just thinking it's not quite right I haven't got it there yet and it's just yeah but I think it's practice as well because I look back and I think if I was to do that brief now would I make the same piece of work or would I have done something different it's really good advice the advice I'd give yeah it all comes down to us wanting to impress as well and not in the bad way but like to you know They've chosen us to work with them and we want to make sure we do something where they're like, wow, this is mm. amazing. And I think I had it as well where I'd be like, oh, I want to get all caps amazing in the email, mm. otherwise I'm not satisfied. Exactly. But at the end of the day, yes. it's nice to think about it more <laughs> like a collaboration. And now I always think, you know, yeah, get something out and see what they say. And then we build it together, basically. It's more of a, yes, it is going to be several people working it out and... I like that. I think I prefer that now because it's less stressful, isn't it, for us? Yeah, it is. It takes that little bit of pressure off and as if like, oh, I, I, it's all my fault if it's not great. But it's like, no, it's a, it's a relationship. It's like a dialogue between them. They have to give you information and you give them information. So I think when once I kind of figured that out, I was like, okay, it's not all on my shoulders. There is negotiation. I can ask questions. I can make sure that th I'm very clear about what they want. And have that confidence to be like, actually, I have a few questions. Could you elaborate a bit more on, on what you would like? Or have you got, well, what I find quite useful is, if, you know, asking, is there a piece of work I've made before that, you know, is something that you like? That I can then go, okay, because then that's your own work. There's no point giving me somebody else's work or giving me like a, a theoretical idea of what you want. It's better if you go, this piece you've done before, we quite like how you, this works. Or these colours or this. And it's like, ah, okay, I can work with that because I, I know that I made that. I know where I was when I made that. I know what I was feeling when I made that. So it's much easier when someone kind of says that. So I will ask that if, if, I, if I need to, if I feel like I don't understand what they want. It feels confusing. So yeah, I think that helps as well. For sure. I do the same thing. It's the first thing I ask. Even just before, I mean, it depends. But yeah, knowing exactly what they're like, especially when we do like a few different things and you never know because it could be like for instance mm. I do a lot of patterns and then I do spot illustrations or different things you know and you're like mm. but did you like the lettering or did you like in so it's really good to ask questions but like yeah. you said it comes with experience and we learned that along the way being really open and be like actually yeah be more clear I don't get what you want like because you can't start yeah. working until you understand yes. what's happening so have you find like that's something else I wanted to ask you is that you mentioned a little bit earlier but is there something you've found really hard navigating in the creative industry as an illustrator yes I think there's lots of lots of things that are very difficult sometimes it can be difficult just how managing especially as an illustrator all these different things that you kind of need to do so you have to almost be a web designer and make sure your website's looking good you've got to sometimes have an online shop and and run a shop and deal with customer service type things as well as you know going to fairs maybe and handling your taxes and doing contracts and this is sometimes you feel like oh it's a lot of hats to put on in an illustrator and that can be really really difficult because you sometimes feel like you could be doing really well with your client stuff and then you're like Ah, I haven't updated my website in about a year and I really need to do that. 
so that I can get more clients. I've got clients right now, so I need to do that. And then it's like, oh, I want to sell more things. I want to make more prints. And it's like you're constantly juggling. Again, it's time, but it's also like I always think with a freelance, that's where I struggle a lot. It's that negotiation between making things that you want to sell and that people can get their hands on and then making client kind of things. I don't know. I don't think I've got that balance right yet. I don't know. And some people do it really, really well. And they seem to have it completely together. And you're like, but how? But like sometimes I think if I had a little, an assistant, maybe that would help. But then I'm like, I can't afford an assistant. <laughs> I can't afford someone to help me figure my shop side of things out. I need to dedicate some time to, I think. I want to do this summer where I kind of update my website and sort that side of things out. Because I'd like to be more on top of that. I find that bit quite hard to negotiate. Also, yeah, the collage thing can be quite difficult. My work can feel quite different. And I feel very like, oh, I don't know if I fit in commercially. It can be hard when you do something that is very personal because it's a very hands-on a- approach and you make the work and you're so involved. And then also thinking, you know, if people don't like it. It's like, uh, you know, should I should I change and do something that maybe doesn't feel as personal? But then I, I don't think I will. Sometimes you think, oh, should I, should I, you know, change it up a bit? Those are my struggles sometimes. But I think everyone goes through that. You have times where you don't feel confident about your work and you just think, what am I doing? This is really... Like, you have complete imposter syndrome about it and you just think, how did I How did I, How did did I? I get here? I'm not confident. I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough at this. But then you've got to just keep thinking, which is another piece of advice that, you know, the client... This is what I tell my friends when they come to me and they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. What, and I'm like, the client has come to you, so they like your work. You know, they don't have to come to you. They've come to you because they like what you do, so kind of have to believe in that a little bit even when it's difficult even if it means your friend reminds you of that or somebody close to you keeps reminding you of that when you can't remind yourself I think that's something that's quite difficult it's remembering that your work is valued and uh, people want to see it and enjoy it and hire you to do that but that can be difficult it can be difficult when you see amazing digital work sometimes I'm like oh, wish I wish I could do that I do what I do and I'm sure other people are looking going, oh, I wish I could do that. So no matter what you're doing, somebody else is probably thinking they wish they could do what you're doing. Like you're saying, you wish you could do what they're doing, but you do what you do. And that's what makes you, you, it makes your work yours. So Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think anyone's got it figured out. You know, you said, oh, you look at other people. No. I know sometimes people tell me that. It's like, oh, you do so much. And oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, well, mm. you know, I feel the same way you just said all the time. I'll see someone's work and be like, oh. Am I even in it? What am I even doing? Maybe I should just be a baker. You know, I think about that every yes. day. I'm like, maybe, yeah. you know, you kind of get scared and you're like, oh, I'm just going to start doing completely something completely different where I don't have to put any of myself in there. But at the end of the day, we'll probably get the same baking, yeah. you know. A few years in, we'll be like, what am I doing? I'm not exactly. a baker. What am I doing? But anyway, yeah, we all feel this way, I think. It's really strange, but it's probably I part think so. of the creative brain but you know coming back to acting I'm pretty sure most actors feel this way yes and I think that's it I think having that little sense of being unsure sometimes I think helps with the work I mean you couldn't be yes I'm great and amazing all the time then I feel like you wouldn't have the vulnerability or the sensitivity to it it wouldn't have a that kind of slight yeah on edge feeling that you get with your work when you're like oh this, this feels good it's great yeah I think speaking to a lot of my friends who are illustrators as well they feel the same they always we're always looking at other people go they seem to have everything together and I'm sure they feel the same they, everyone I mean it happens sometimes people are like oh people will come to me Naomi you're so busy you're so you've got so much work on and I'm like I don't, I don't really but I guess sometimes it can look that way and it sometimes people perceive you and you perceive other people in a completely different way to how it actually is it's just I think the world of social media everything feels very 
inflated and not necessarily completely truthful all the time. It can feel very isolating. Yeah, I agree. I think it's messing us up a little bit just because, I mean, there's loads of reasons it's Mm. messing us up. But in terms of the creative community, it's like you said this. If you share a lot of things, people think you're busy just by default. We're all projecting things on whatever people are sharing from the little snippets of their lives and and then feeling bad about ourselves because we don't have... Like the amount of times we've all had it where someone we really like or we know shares something about maybe a new work they've been doing, a new collab, and you're like, oh, I'm not doing well. Mm. They're doing amazing. Look at that. Whereas you may have shared something like a month before where they probably felt that way about you. Like it's all very weird. We're all a bit, like you said, isolated and in our heads about it. I think so. And I think we're all kind of, most of us are probably feeling the same. So it kind of makes sense. It's hard to see that at the moment. So my last question for you is about your dreams mm-hmm. and goals for the coming years. What do you have, like what wild ideas do you have for your work and for yourself? Well, we've talked about a few of them already, but wild ideas. My friend's just done a residence, my best friend, the one I was talking about at the very beginning, who I've known my whole life. She's just done a residency in Mexico and she looked like she had the best time, six weeks art residency. I'm like, oh, maybe I should do something like that. Just go somewhere on my own. I've never been and just make art every day in a different, completely different scene. So I do, can't, I'm, I'm very nervous about that idea. But I also think, oh, if something makes you nervous, maybe you should do it. Um, so, I mean, maybe something like that would be really fun and really different and really out of my comfort zone. Again, I would love to, now that we've talked about it, I would definitely love to start working on that photo series of taking some of my characters, making like a photo series of them. I would love to try that. I think that's got to be something I'm going to do in the summer when the weather's good and get some of my friends because I've still got some. One of my best friends is still an actor, so I'm sure I could rope her into modelling for me. But that could be really, really fun. If I could design the costumes as well and actually like make them, I'd love to do that. And with these jelly mold pieces that I've made, I would really see how much bigger I can make them and maybe exhibit them in a different space. Really, really love to do that and see how they how they might exist in a different space. But yeah, lots of things. I think just speaking to you, I've got lots of ideas. Would love to do a book. When I was at Campwell in my final year, we did this kind of like external brief where this um, book publisher kind of set us a brief. If you want, you could pick which brief you did, and I picked that one. And they make this um, series called the Familiar Series, where it's quite famous classic books, and you could make some illustrations to go along with a list. They gave us a list to pick from. And I picked Pride and Prejudice and their familiar series is kind of, they take very famous books, but then they, the illustrate, the way that they've been illustrated is kind of a very different and unusual. And so I did Pride and Prejudice and I made these ceramic dogs based on the Wally dogs. And it was like an auction booklet. And I've always loved that idea. And I would love to actually make that book one day. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'd absolutely love to do that. Or a book with photographs of my ceramics telling a kind of story. So yeah, maybe I can do that. Yeah. Maybe. You can that do would anything. be really, really cool. A book with my illustrate ceramic illustrations and ideas. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it was so nice getting to talk to you and learning more about you mm. and what you do. And I'm really excited to see everything you make. And I'm going to have to go down to uh, Brighton to see your little cakes now. Yeah. Well, uh, once I install it, I'll take lots of pictures as well. Put yeah. it on Instagram. So exciting. Aww. And I hope you get to go to Mexico and do a residency because that would be really, mm. really amazing. Yeah, that would be fun. We'll see. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to know more about Mimi, then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest. I'll see you soon.